Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Fusion, what's up? You know what my question is. How are you feeling? In case you guys have not noticed, I'm feeling very, very good. I don't know if you guys want to know why I'm feeling good. I don't know if anybody on the front row knows why I'm feeling good. My woman is in the building. I'm not going to make her come up on the stage today, even though I told her I would. I'm going to let her enjoy the fusion experience, okay. the first time fusion experience, but uh, I love you. Hey, you looking good. All right, so let me get focused. Last time I was speaking to you guys, I was talking about repentance and how repentance is about thinking differently, and the heart behind that message was we were, t- we were looking at the first step that is really required in walking with God and knowing God and how Jesus came to earth and when they say that he went out preaching, the, the summary of his preaching was repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so he was saying think differently because there's a kingdom that is invading the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And what he was really announcing is that we now have the opportunity to know God. That was the heart of it. That's why Jesus came. That's what the gospel is. That's what the good news is. Gospel means good news. And the good news is we couldn't have intimacy with God because of our sin. But God himself came to earth, put on flesh, and paid a price so that we can have intimacy with God. Is anybody grateful for that? I'm very grateful for that because following Jesus is not about just miracles and supernatural stuff. It's not just about following morality. It's not just about having a particular worldview. It is not just information, but you can actually have a relationship with God. And so what's been on my heart to share over these few weeks is really just about knowing God. That simple. I feel like so many of us, we come to church, so many of us are are trying to follow Jesus, but there's still a serious lack of intimacy with God in a lot of Christians' lives. And I think it's because a lot of times we have not been given all of the information. Or it's been given to us in a way that doesn't make it feel like we can do that too. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. When somebody says... So the Lord said to me, Vance, my son, this is what I want you to speak to my people. God doesn't speak to me like that. But people a lot of times say that he does. And so earlier on, when I was looking to hear from God, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting the rumble, the big voice, the loud voice that comes in your head or something that says, Vance, my son. It's me, God. This is what I'm saying to you. But then that's not 
what was happening. I was trying to follow Jesus. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. But I wasn't hearing the, Vance, my son. And so it made me start doubting and feeling like everybody else hears from God and I don't. And so there was, a, there was this feeling of a lack of intimacy, a lack of relationship. And it's because I did not know really how God spoke based on some things that people had shared. Has anybody ever felt that before? Has anybody ever felt like they were not hearing from God even though they wanted to? Has anybody ever struggled with knowing God's voice? Have you ever had thoughts come into your mind and like, I'm like, I don't know if that's God. I don't know if this dream was God or if it was the pizza. And I feel like there's this lack of clarity that a lot of us walk around with and it causes us to be confused in a lot of different areas of our lives. Because what happens is, if you cannot hear the voice of God, then you're not able to go throughout your day making decisions being led by God. But the Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And so that's something that's been sitting in my spirit a lot lately, and I've been meditating on it a lot because a lot of us are not led by the Spirit of God. And it's not because we don't want to be. But a lot of us don't know how to be. What does that mean? I get in so many conversations. I see social media posts. I, see, I hear stories that mischaracterize God. And all I'm seeing is like people don't know God the way that he wants us to know him. And not people in the world but Christians. And so I wanted to talk to you guys tonight about knowing God from the perspective of somebody who I think was a, a pretty good example of knowing God, walking with God. I personally have an admiration for people who really know God. Like some people are big fans of successful people, and I have admiration for people who are successful and who make something out of nothing and all that's great, but I'm not particularly inspired by people who just have like success. What inspires me is when I see somebody who really knows God, because it's rare. Somebody who has a, a level of intimacy with God that you feel like you haven't experienced yet, that intrigues me. Somebody who really knows God. And so tonight, I want to talk about somebody in the Bible who knew God. His name was David. And so a lot of you guys have heard Psalm 23. Has anybody heard Psalm 23? Can anybody recite it? Give me the first few lines. Mm. Yep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? We've all heard it. I heard it all growing up. Um, and it's a very popular psalm. But what I've learned is it's popular because it's actually very powerful. But it wasn't really powerful for me when I was younger until I understood what was happening in that. And so I want to read this. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod 
and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's powerful, but we're so far removed from a lot of that cultural context that we might not know what's happening there because he's talking about a sheep and a shepherd. How many of you guys have seen a sheep in real life? Okay, more than I expected. But still not everybody. Ancient Israel. Now, I don't know where you guys saw them, but that's dope. <laughs> Ancient Israel was flooded with sheep. Solomon sacrificed 120,000 sheep at the dedication of the temple. Job had 14,000 sheep. It's a lot of sheep. So these were people who were familiar with sheep. And so we see these, this analogy all throughout the Bible where they're talking about sheep and they're talking about a shepherd. And David describes his relationship with God like he's a sheep and God is a shepherd. And David was himself a shepherd. Before he became a warrior, before he became a king, he was a shepherd. The youngest boy in the family had the duty of taking care of the sheep. And so every time a son was born, he would be taking the sheep. David was the eighth. And so I guess his father was like, I'm done, eight kids, I'm good. But David was taking care of the sheep as the youngest, and so he spent a lot of time. So much so that when Samuel came to anoint the new king, David's father Jesse showed all seven of his sons that were around, like these have to be, it has to be one of these who you're going to choose to be king. And David was out taking care of the sheep. And his father didn't even think of him as an option to be king. He was the youngest out there taking care of the sheep, probably stunk. But I learned a lot about shepherding as I've been studying for this message. And this relationship, it's intimate. Like a lot of you guys said that you've seen sheep. I didn't know that shepherds have an intimate relationship with their sheep. I was looking at pictures and they were like carrying the sheep and holding the sheep and shearing them. For me, that's a lot that you're even touching <laughs> the sheep. I'm not really an animals guy. I'm Dogs, somebody else's dog, I'm good with. Like, you have a dog, and I see it every now and then. I don't really need to pet your dog all that much. I don't need to be licked by your dog. I'm good. And so seeing that shepherds are intimately involved with these sheep, like they're in there, in the mud with these sheep. I saw a video of a sheep, like, stuck under this pile of grass. I don't know how it got under there. But it was like three feet of grass, and the shepherd was down there pulling the legs of the sheep. This was just an intimate relationship where he's pulling it out of a pile of grass. There's just more going on with sheep and shepherds than I realized. And so I want us to learn a couple things because I think that when we understand what this passage is talking about, 
will understand why it's been so popular, why it's been so powerful, and I think there are certain lessons that we can learn from this relationship. So I want to talk about three lessons we must learn from the life of sheep, because if God compares himself to a shepherd and compares us to sheep, I think it's important, necessary, that we understand what that relationship is like, and we have to learn some lessons from them. So lesson number one. Y'all ready? Sheep are content. Does anybody know what it's like to not be content? I think we all understand what that's like, especially in this age, well, in this time and at this age, because we're all feeling like we got to do something with our lives. We're all feeling like there's something more that should be going on in our lives. Very few of us, without God especially, walk around feeling completely content, completely satisfied, and feeling like we're completely good and at peace. But sheep are like good, super content, super satisfied. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I used to hear that coming up. I didn't hear I lack nothing. I heard I shall not want. And so it made me feel like I'm not supposed to want stuff. Like the Lord is my shepherd, so I shouldn't want anything. And to me, that made no sense. Because I didn't even get the analogy. The Lord leads sheep, so I shouldn't want anything. Okay. I didn't get it. Now, I understand a little bit better. And that translation really means I lack nothing. Contentment. Sheep are not worried about their next meal. The sheep-shepherd relationship, it works like this. First of all, the shepherd is with the sheep. 24 hours a day, especially in the springtime. Like, he brings them into the barn from, like, November to springtime so that they're not out grazing in the winter. But when the springtime comes, he's with them from morning to night. He sleeps out there in the field with the sheep. He takes them to a pasture to graze, and they just eat and eat, and they chill. And they just listen to his voice and follow him. Wherever they need to go, the shepherd knows when they're about to be done with all of the green grass and they're going to need to go somewhere else. But they're not sitting around like, hey, shepherd, I think we're about to run out of grass. They're just eating, not worried. And they listen for his voice when he tells them to get up. They're content. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.6, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So many of us don't feel wealthy. Very few of us feel wealthy. And most of us feel like wealth is something far off that we have to work to attain. And so this is very countercultural here when we're talking about thinking differently for Paul to say godliness with contentment, just being satisfied, is great wealth. How many of you guys have heard stories about people who are wealthy and not content? We hear it all the time. We still chase wealth because we still feel like somehow wealth is going to bring us contentment. I've met a decent amount of wealthy people who are not content, and I think this is something that's helped me 
stay focused in life. Like when I'm in a place where I don't feel like is my permanent place. When I've been in jobs that I knew were not my permanent jobs. When I felt like I wasn't making the money that I wanted to be making. Godliness with contentment became great wealth for me. And it brought a peace in my life where I was able to hear the voice of God, this sheep-shepherd relationship, when you're not striving for the next thing, when you're not feeling like you lack something. Being content is just having no unmet needs. The Lord is not going to leave you in a place where you have unmet needs. And he can truly satisfy you. And as his sheep, being in relationship with him and being content with that is itself great wealth. So we are to live in contentment, not in pursuit of it. Contentment is something you can have right now. Right now. You don't have to wait till you leave. You don't have to wait until you get this new job. You don't have to wait until you get married. You don't have to wait until your husband or wife leaves the house. <laughs> Contentment is something you can have right now. For me, this has been an absolute necessity. We talked in Under Construction, the series that we did about the process that God brings us through. We talked about trusting the process. That's contentment. When you trust who's building your life, when you trust who's putting it together, you can trust the process that he has you in. So when your circumstances don't look peaceful, when your circumstances don't look like you should be content, you still can be because the Lord is your shepherd. And so the lesson from the sheep is that you can be content. He knows everything that you need. The sheep rely on the shepherd to bring them to graze. That's what they need is food. So everything that the sheep needs, protection, provision, they just follow the shepherd. And a lot of, a lot of people consider sheep to be very um, unintelligent animals. But the good thing is they don't really need that much intellect. Because all they need to do is follow. In your life, you don't really need all that much. All you need to do is follow. When you can hear the shepherd's voice telling you where to go, he's the one mapping out the course. He's the one mapping out the plan. You just need to be able to follow it. So when you're in a position to hear his voice, you can be content. Point two is sheep know their shepherd's voice. Now, this is a really, really, really important one because the sheep completely rely on the shepherd and being able to hear him. In the same way, our relationship with God, hearing God should be a necessity. But how many of us walk day to day not hearing God and feeling like it's normal? 
That's not normal. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to be able to hear him. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to be able to follow him. He wants you to not be confused. He wants you to have clarity, peace, contentment. But you have to be able to hear his voice. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Sheep are led by their shepherd. The leading of God doesn't have to be the super mysterious, ethereal thing. It doesn't have to be just like this feeling that comes over you. You can actually get into a rhythm with God where you can remove the distractions from your life. Be praying, be reading, asking him to reveal himself to you, and he will. That's what he wants for you. He would not have created you if he didn't want you to know him. He created you because he wants you to know him. He wants you to be able to hear his voice. That's why he compares himself to a shepherd. He says, Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This is not your average we're following a book religion. Jesus did not come for us to have a distant relationship with God and for us to just obey some rules. What Jesus says is he's the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Do you feel like you know God? And is that your desire? Because if you're choosing to follow Jesus, that's what it's about. It's not just about blessings and provisions. All those things come with following a good shepherd. But knowing him is the prize. Everything that he brings you in this life, in this life, these physical things, they're going to burn up when this earth passes away. That's not the focus. Your job, your talents, what you do here is amazing, great stuff, but it's temporary. What lasts into eternity is your relationship with God. And even as society changes, this is something that's been really important to me and really weighing on me because I feel like Jesus talks about the end times, right? And he says, you can see a storm coming by looking at the sky. In the same way, you can know when he's coming by looking at the signs in the earth. And we see the climate changing. We see things shifting. And so what's been in me for the past few years is this like inner knowing, not like a mental understanding, but just like this inner knowing that we have to be equipped for things to change around us. And so following Jesus if you look at the trend of where things are going, if you just look at the news, if you look at how people are living, if you look at people's mindsets nowadays, following Jesus is becoming less and less 
popular. And it's becoming more and more polarizing. And so I feel like what's, what's happening, uh, I think Ed Stetzer has a quote. He says, Christianity in America is not collapsing. It's being clarified. Because we're going to fall away from the loose affiliation with Christianity. We're going to fall away from the I just go to church. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I went to church last year. We're going to be falling away from that because it's, become, it's going to become less and less popular. And so as Jesus says, what's going to happen to his church is not all going to be pretty. It says that we have victory when we overcome. We have victory when we endure, when we stay persistent. But that's not going to happen if you don't know God. All this stuff that we do, if it's, if it's not coming from our heart of wanting to know God and experiencing God, it's not going to last through real challenges and through real trials and through real tribulations. And I'm not saying this to scare anybody. It's just the truth that Jesus says that those who follow him will be persecuted. And that's actually happening all around the globe. Right now, like in America, we're not really persecuted. I mean, just like mean comments on social media for the most part. And assassinated, you know, not assassinated, character assassinated is what I was going to say. In the news and things like that, you know. But real persecution is happening. And there are people who are dying willingly without renouncing their faith. That doesn't come from just hearing a good sermon. That doesn't come from a great worship band. It comes from knowing God. Knowing him and saying, do whatever you want. Because where I'm going, I know him. Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body and not touch your soul. Do you know what it takes to actually live that out? To not fear people who can kill you? Because the destruction of your body is not the end? To really believe that. It's this type of relationship. Knowing God. Hearing God. I just feel like as a church... We have to be able to move past and move upward past the, does God want me to this? Does God want me to date this person? Does God want this? Ask him and believe him when he answers you. That's part of the faith. The Bible says that the righteous will live by faith. That's, a lot of times we're expecting that to be faith for these huge things, faith for miracles. What about faith that God did speak to you? What about faith that God will speak to you? That's the best faith you can have. That's the faith that you live by, the I heard God. The I hear God. The God is with me. God does protect me. God does surround me. 
That's the faith that we need. That's the faith that produces perseverance, knowing God and hearing his voice. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a picture of shepherds who will protect their flock. When other animals come to attack, when hyenas and wild dogs and all these things come to attack their flock, a shepherd who loves his sheep, a good shepherd, is going to fight. And the good shepherd has the victory. The Jesus that we serve is a good shepherd. He said, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Nobody. That's a statement, that's a fact, that's a truth that we can rely on. We are not at the mercy of our enemies. We're in the hands of our shepherd. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's a confident shepherd. No matter who comes, no matter who does what, no matter who says what, no one will snatch them out of my hand. They listen to my voice. So how can you hear God's voice? One, make time. Stop the, I don't have time, I'm busy. I do that too. I just got to stop and make time. A lot of this is very, very simple. Following God should be simple. I say it all the time. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. You're too busy for God. Make a list of the things that have you so busy and then put God next to it and and point to which one is more important. Make time. I have to do it too. Sometimes... Sleep gets my time instead of God. Is that sleep's fault? Is that God's fault? Is that somebody who asked me to do something that had me staying up later than I expected? Is it their fault? Do y'all believe that? It's on me. I have to be able to prioritize and make time. How can you do the next steps if you don't make time? Make time. Get on a schedule with God. God, you get this time. Dedicate it to him. It's not easy, but it's simple. Stay committed. How many of you guys know Jeannie Mayo? Whoop, whoop. Jeannie is our director of youth and young adult services, youth and young adult ministries, sorry. <laughs> youth and young adult ministries. She's our director. She, she oversees Fusion, the capital, which is our high school ministry, the city, our middle school ministry. She has been in full-time youth ministry for 50 years. And her husband, Pastor Sam Mayo, he passed about a year and some change ago, almost two years, I think now. And one of the legacies 
that he's left. I'm actually wearing his ring, his, uh, his, his senior ring when he graduated from Bible college. And one of the legacies that he left was just this crazy devotion to God. Like he would not miss prayer time with God. Like he had an appointment with God every day and would not miss it, wouldn't be late. Not just wouldn't miss it, wouldn't be late. So when I say there are certain people who I admire, it's somebody like that who even after you're gone, you leave this legacy that inspires people to go higher with God. Make time. Other people do it. That's something that we just have to do. Two, read his word. But legitimately, like legitimately, read it. Give it a chance. I mean, so many of us are so impatient with the Bible. Figure it out. All right? I don't know how else to say it. It's like the Bible works for everybody. There's nobody that the Bible is not working for. Okay? The word of God, it works. He has revealed himself in the scriptures. God has breathed out scripture. If you're having trouble understanding, keep making time. Two, do the last step, pray and meditate on his words. So asking God, hey God, I know you want me to know you. I know you want me to understand you. So reveal yourself to me through your word. Teach me in your word. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says that he will lead you into all truth. He also says he will, he said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I've taught you. So you know what that teaches us about the Holy Spirit? That he will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will help you find truth. He will help you understand it. He will reveal himself to you. When you allow him to, when you give him time, when you ask him, God, reveal yourself to me. I can't reveal God to you. But God will reveal himself to you. And there's nobody in here who's better at hearing from God than another person. There's nobody more gifted at hearing from God. You can hear from God. He wants you to read his word. And when you are familiar with what he's written, when he speaks to you in your spirit, you'll be able to recognize it. Because he speaks consistently with his word. Because he didn't waste his time writing the scriptures. Everything we need is in there. So a lot of times when God is speaking, he'll say it like this. You remember when I said in John, my sheep listen to my voice? Or you remember when I said in John, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's a lot of times how God speaks to us. He reminds you of what Jesus taught. So that's why you have to know what Jesus taught. Reading the scriptures and then asking him to reveal himself to you. And then when you run into situations in life, when you run into different circumstances, when you run into things where you need an answer, when you have 
a tank of scripture in you that the Holy Spirit can pull from, he can give you an answer a lot easier than when you got nothing. He wants to dip into his word and reveal that to you, make it come alive to you, apply it to your situation. That's why we have the scriptures. They are valuable. They're one of the most valuable things we have in this life. The word of God. God himself spoke through people and left it on paper for us. Everything that we need in order to navigate this life, he's given to us. And then he deposited his Holy Spirit in us to teach us and to guide us and to lead us. That's how this relationship works. Third point. Sheep live in comfort. Verse 4, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So shepherds, they would carry this rod. It was kind of like a billy club. And some of them would put like spikes in the end of it. And so like he's not playing when he says your rod, it comforts me because... You kill something real easily if it runs up on the sheep. He's saying, you're my protector. You'll fight for me. So even, though I'll, even if I'm walking through a dark valley, I know you can see. And I know that you've volunteered to protect me. And because you're a good shepherd, you will. So regardless of what you're walking into, regardless of what you're walking through, when God is with you, you can live in comfort. If our lives were supposed to be inherently comfortable, we would not need to be comforted. I'll repeat that. All right. If our lives were supposed to be inherently comfortable, we would not need to be comforted. The Holy Spirit, the Greek word used for that is paraclete. It, one of the translations is comforter. Why would he comfort you? if you were just always supposed to be comfortable by yourself. It's because you'll be walking through some dark valleys. But even though you're walking through the darkest valley, you can fear no evil because God is with you. The God who created everything that could try to do something evil. There Everyone submitted to God. The Bible says the demons believe that God is God and they tremble at his name. But so many of us as Christians, we, trem we tremble at the thought of demons. You in yourself are not any match for a demon. So if you don't have Jesus... There's something to tremble about. However, when you have Jesus, the name above every name, Jesus, the person with all of the authority on earth and in heaven, you have nothing to fear. That's why Jesus walked around and just was like, come out. It wasn't this wrestling. It was a, oh, I know who this is. Gotta go. 
healing was not a wrestling match for Jesus. It was a come out. The good shepherd, even though you walk through the darkest valley, you can fear no evil, no disease, no attack. Because God is with you. His rod and his staff, who he'll beat some stuff with, will comfort you. That's the my dad can beat you up. Simple. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all the source of all comfort. God himself is the source of all comfort. There is no place you can get to in life that is going to be the source of your comfort. There is no financial status. There is no relationship status. There is nothing you can attain that will be the source of your comfort because God, your father, who is merciful, is the source of all comfort. And he says that he wants to be your shepherd. He wants that intimate relationship with you where he's leading you beside quiet waters. And he's refreshing your soul. What that meant is in that Middle Eastern desert, the shepherd would lead them beside water and let them drink from it, refresh their soul. So when you're going through dry times, when you're going through difficult times, when everything around you looks like a desert, you can rely on the good shepherd to lead you to quiet waters and refresh your soul. You know what that's looked like for me a lot? I open my Bible. And I, and I know, you know, if you've opened the Bible and you got just confused before and then you just left it alone and you've, and you've just stuck with like, I don't understand it, I don't get it. God doesn't speak to me through it. If you've stuck with that, then you won't know what I'm talking about. But if you have searched for the shepherd in his word, he will lead you to quiet waters. Sometimes I need a refreshing and I open up my Bible and the first thing I read is not comforting. Sometimes I'm going through a tough time and I open up to Judgment Day. And it's like, God, this is not refreshing my soul. But you know what I do? It's crazy. I'm going to share this secret with you. Flip the page. <laughs> and then I just keep reading and praying until God refreshes my soul. And you know what happens? He does. It's not easy all the time, but it's simple. God will respond. Jesus said in John 14, the amplified version, the helper, in parentheses, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, meaning he stands right by you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in parentheses, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things 
and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. The Holy Spirit. How many of you guys want a relationship like that? Where the Holy Spirit is teaching you all things and reminding you of everything that he's taught you. As I've mentioned a couple times, it's not easy, but it actually is simple. Jesus was talking to people who really didn't even understand this concept. They were becoming familiar with who God is by walking with Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm going to leave. And so they're heartbroken, they're grieved. Our rabbi, our teacher, this guy's like our father. He's talking about leaving and dying. But then Jesus says, it's better for you that I leave. Because if I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a power, not just a force, not just some ethereal idea. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, equal with God, the breath of God. His power, he is power, but he's also comfort. He also advocates on your behalf. He also intercedes for you. He also stands by you. He also leads you and guides you into all truth. He helps to guide your thought process when you allow him to, when you surrender it to him. You can have a relationship with the most high God by receiving Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, he sends the Holy Spirit to make his dwelling in your heart to lead you, to guide you. So if you all bow your heads, I want to pray for you. Specifically, if you came in here not knowing Jesus, if you came in here not knowing who God really is, and you want to, he's available for you. He wants to be your shepherd. Jesus came to earth died a criminal's death on a cross and paid the price for all of our sins just so we could have this sheep-shepherd relationship. If you're saying, I've learned that I can't do life on my own. If you've realized that you can't find contentment in all of your pursuits. If you've realized that you want to hear God's voice. If you realize that you want to come to God who is the source of all comfort because there's no comfort available elsewhere. If you're ready to receive Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand. Lift your hand high. There's a lot of hands going up. This is your opportunity. This isn't about just becoming a Christian. This is about knowing God. I'm letting you leave your hands up because I think there are still some more hands that need to go up. And I'm telling you, don't leave this place without making this decision. If you know that God is weighing on you, if you know that he's tugging on your heart, 
if you know that he's opening your ears and opening your eyes and opening your mind to who he is. Surrender to him. Allow him to do it. He's the good shepherd. If you just raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me and all the believers across the room, if you'll pray this prayer with us. Jesus, I thank you. I believe that you are God, that you came to earth and you died for my sins. I believe that you resurrected to show that you have power over death and you can save me. I receive what you did on the cross. I turn from my old life and I allow you to come into my heart to abide here forever to lead me to guide me to save me to speak to me and to be mine and for me to be yours forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So if you've been coming around for a little while, you know that we've been doing some, some different things. One of those things is a couple times we've put up a discussion question. And the heart behind this is because Jesus does not just want us to have a relationship with him, but also with each other. And for us to help one another in our relationship. So if you don't have to leave, we're just going to do this for a few minutes. If you'll get in the groups of three to five, do not leave anybody by themselves around you. Just get in groups. And we just have two questions so we can unpack this and help each other walk through and live life in community. Are you guys down for that? Okay. Some people just gave their lives to Jesus. Is anybody excited about that? All right. Well, if you're excited about that, then talk to some people. We got two questions that we'd love for you guys to answer, and they'll be up on the screen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.